This is an ABC podcast. Hack. Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Welcome to the Hack Podcast. And you're probably noticing it looks a little different today. And you're thinking, what's going on? And you're right, we have made a change to the Hack Podcast. It's to make it easier and quicker for you to find the stories that you want to hear. Instead of one big podcast, which we usually put up, we're now splitting it up so you can listen to what you want straight away. Don't worry, you're not missing out on anything. You're going to find all the stories we cover on Hack right here. It actually means we're going to be able to bring you more. Because stuff that doesn't make it onto the radio show, things like extended interviews, other bonus content, we're going to have it right here for you all year round. So we're giving it a go. Let us know what you think of this change, how you're finding the podcast experience generally. You can hit us up on Instagram, the Hack website, the Triple J text line. We're here for you. So with all that explained, time to get into it. You know, your first relationship is pretty memorable, usually pretty awkward, liberating maybe, a lot of fun, but it can also be really intense. Yeah, dating in your teens can be exciting, but for some young people, it can go really wrong and it's hard to get help because you don't know what's happening. Maybe you don't have a lot of people to speak with or you're just feeling really overwhelmed or embarrassed. Well, there's some new research out of Tasmania into teen domestic violence and abuse. This report that's called Young, In Love and In Danger. Our Tassie reporter April McLennan's been looking into it. And just a heads up, this episode mentions domestic violence, abuse and sexual assault. And there's some bad language in here as well. He used to spit food on me and tell me I'm worthless. He even cut my eyelashes at one point to make me look ugly. I'd be screamed at if I didn't clean the house. Like, he would shut me down and make me feel silly for being excited. There was a night where he choked me to near death. I was lucky that he actually let me go when my face went blue. He goes, you want to run because I'm going to fucking shoot you. He also put Valium in my food so we didn't argue or to sexually assault me. These are stories from young Tasmanians who were interviewed by Anglicare, a not-for-profit organisation, as part of their research into violence and abuse in teen relationships. Anglicare decided to launch this investigation after service providers flagged this type of behaviour as being pretty common in teenage relationships. Report author Dr Carmel Hobbs says it can have a lifelong impact. Teenage relationships tend to be viewed as kind of short-term and fickle and, you know, it goes badly and you break up and you kind of move on. You know, the young people that I talked to, they shared both immediate impacts that they had experienced in the relationship as well as the long-term consequences, you know, that they were still suffering from sometimes years after these relationships have ended. And for many of them, they will likely have to deal with these consequences as they get older. To figure out how often this is actually happening, the researchers took a look at some data from the Longitudinal Study of Australian Children, looking at people aged 18 to 19. It showed that in Tassie, if you have five mates in a relationship, two of them may have had something violent happen in the past 12 months. In the rest of Australia, it's lower, but it's still pretty bad, with nearly 30% of relationships potentially experiencing violence. There is still you know, a misconception that if they didn't hit me, you know, it's not so bad. You know, it could get worse. And I think that's a really difficult place to be in is expecting that it could be worse than it is, which it absolutely can be. But that doesn't mean that you should accept other things that are also damaging to you. 
New South Wales will actually be the first place in Australia to criminalise coercive control after the state government's legislation passed Parliament last week. So coercive control is a pattern of behaviour. It denies victim survivors their independence and autonomy. Stuff like this. He made me tell him all my passwords and then he changed all my passwords and put his mobile number on it so I couldn't retrieve my accounts ever. Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram. He locks the doors and he's like, you're not getting out until we resolve this problem. So we had to know where I was all the time. I wasn't allowed to go to school. He would sit outside while I was working, like the full eight hours a day. He'd have one coffee and just sit there all day watching me work. Last year, the New South Wales Domestic Violence Review Team found that 99% of intimate partner murders were preceded by coercive control. But because it's a pretty complex area of law, it hasn't been criminalised in many countries around the world. England and Wales were actually the first to do so in 2015. Dr Hobbs thinks there needs to be more formal protective mechanisms in place for young people. So legislation that actually makes protection for children who are in abusive relationships possible. We need more housing. We need you know, options for young people who need somewhere safe to live. We need support services that are trauma-informed and designed for young people. She reckons we should also mandate respectful relationship education in schools. Currently, that is not the case in most states and territories in Australia. It was the one thing that every participant said to me when I said, what, you know, what could be different or what do you wish had happened? They all talked about education. And they also talked about the fact that that education needs to be direct and explicit. They might be in their first ever relationship and it's starting off with things like, you know, you can't wear that. It might be hot and, you know, don't wear those shorts out of the house. Um, might be checking all their social media accounts, not letting them go out with their friends, really isolating them. And then it just, sometimes it stays at that and, and other times it goes into very, 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 you know, horrific situations. That's Courtney Adams. She's a community service worker and she's helped young people in this sector for around 15 years. Courtney says teenagers can't access the same services that adult victim survivors of domestic violence can. And she thinks there should be specialised services available for young people. Sometimes they're choosing between being in a violent relationship and being homeless. And they are children and they should never, ever have to make that decision. So a lot of the time there's no financial access and they're not on payments, they're not working. So they could be actually living with their partner's family. Courtney's biggest advice to people struggling in these type of relationships is to reach out to someone you trust. Please just talk to someone that could be through education, a teacher, a service, somebody that you trust. And if you feel like you're not getting anywhere, know that this behaviour is wrong and please reach out to somebody else. Hack on Triple J. April McLennan with that story. And remember, if you or someone you know needs help, you can always contact the National Sexual Assault, Family and Domestic Violence Counselling Line. That's on 1800 RESPECT got some messages coming through someone says i'm just so shocked and horrified by this report why is this happening first love or any love it should never be like this let's get into this a bit more with us now is jill maxwell from the sexual assault support service hi jill thanks for joining us on hack well thanks for having me this research paints a really disturbing picture of the reality of many teenage relationships but there hasn't been a lot of research into these relationships specifically do you think the problem could actually be a lot worse look whether it's um the young people uh, in relation to research like this or any relationship we know that uh, particularly sexual assault is grossly underreported 
we've seen a huge increase in our service here in Tasmania um, over the last few years, but we know that there is a lot more that's going on in homes that um, does go unreported. How important is education around all of this? Because we know that consent education is going to be mandatory in all Australian schools from next year. Is that enough or what kind of other education do you think we need to be seeing? Well, we did um, a community research project a few months ago and the results of that clearly show that, yes, consent education is really important. We've been doing that for the last six years, funded by our government um, in schools in Tasmania. We've seen young people so thirsty for this information. Um, that leads to recognition that they're in abusive relationships, recognition that their friends are, knowing where to get help um, and knowing how to support their friends. So it's, it's crucial. But we also know from our research that uh, community members, so other professionals and other support services that don't specialise in um, domestic and family violence, um, teachers and families themselves want information to know how to recognise abuse and how to support their loved ones. We've got some messages coming in. Someone says, I got into my first relationship at 15, which progressively became really emotionally and physically abusive. I was so young and naive that I didn't end up leaving until I was 19. Is that the thing that we're seeing, Jill, that people just genuinely don't know that what they're experiencing is not normal? Absolutely. We know that um, pornography is becoming you know, the go-to for particularly young people in knowing, you know, what's expected of them in intimate relationships. But we know pornography is very skewed and the research is showing the association between the use of porn and aggressive attitudes and behaviours, particularly towards women. So young people are being inf ill-informed um, and then you get uh, young girls watching that sort of information and thinking, oh, that's what it takes to be normal and young boys thinking, oh, that's what I have to do to have a normal relationship because that's what girls want and um, they're not recognising that it's abusive, that it's controlling and it's not normal. What should people do if they feel like maybe there's an issue with their relationship? What are some of the signs they should be looking out for and where mm. should they go? I think the best advice is trust your gut. If you feel uncomfortable, um, if you feel unsafe, it probably is unsafe. Talk to a friend, um, call services like ours, and uh, we can talk you through, help you understand, uh, and give you options in what to do after that. All right, Jill Maxwell from the Sexual Assault Support Service, thank you very much for joining us on Hack. Thank you. Got some more messages coming through. Someone says, still feeling the effects of coercive control, gaslighting, emotional abuse from my first relationship. Hack on Triple J.